2: Welcome to Soho Strangler Week by Murdwile. To accompany the series, here's a few extra details from the police files and the court records to aid your enjoyment and maybe even help you crack the case. This episode is about two specific articles. As mentioned in the series, the Soho Strangler, about how the press had really tried to ramp up the tension and turn the Soho Strangler into something as near to being the Soho uh, near to being Jack the Ripper as possible. So the first article I mentioned in there was from Every Week. Um, it was syndicated around the world. This was one of those articles where no one had changed a single word. It was printed, reprinted all around the world different articles even the same typeface even the same graphics in there it's very much meant to be like jack the ripper because you can kind of it was just after the murder of dutch leia and you see what is meant to be dutch leia lying on her bed she's wearing a negligee she's clearly been attacked they haven't been uh, they haven't shown her full uh Assault so her head hasn't been caved in by a, a, a one kilo uh, flat iron. But you can see what is meant to be the Soho Strangler, a kind of a slightly deformed man in darkness creeping out of her window, which he couldn't have done because she lived on the second floor. Uh, so this was reprinted on the 13th of September 1936. It was written by Milton Bronner. Headline The Soho Strangler who baffles Scotland Yard. Ooh. Like Jack the Ripper, this shadowy slayer of the girls of Soho's dim byways strikes with an insane but deadly cunning, leaving no clues for the famous man-catchers to follow. The women of dubious pasts, uncertain present and furtive futures go to their squalid rooms in fear and trembling these days and nights. As they put the key in the latch, their hands tremble. They quickly reach for the switch which will turn on the light. A curtain moving in the wind makes them jump. With shaken fingers, they pull open a cupboard door to see who is there. See, this was sent out verbatim to the newspapers and it was reported as fact, but as you can see, it's very much a story. For the shadow of sudden and terrible death lurks over them. Three of their kind in the past few months have been strangled to death by some strange, fantastical killer who comes like a shadow and like a shadow departs. Scotland Yard, London's much-prized crime detection factory, has up to the present been unable to find any comfort to the frightened women of Soho. For Scotland Yard, which never lets up and rarely gives up, is at present completely stumped by this mysterious killer. The failure of Scotland Yard shows that, after all, it's a human institution run by mere human beings and not by demigods. History is repeating itself, but the yard takes to itself the consolation that history only repeats itself about every half century, as far as failures are concerned. Ironically, Jack the Ripper was 48 years earlier. From the winter of 1887 to the summer of 1889, the forever notorious Jack the Ripper committed a series of baffling crimes. Since November last, the Soho Strangler has been committing a series of baffling crimes. Jack the Ripper's victims were all women. The Soho Strangler's victims have all been women. Those who were Jack's prey were all women of a dubious class, just as have been the ones who fell to the clutches of the Soho Strangler. See, three were prostitutes. One was actually technically a part-time prostitute, uh, and one was a cleaner. So, uh make of that what you will. Jack the Ripper threw such a shiver over all of Whitehall District of London that women were afraid to go out at night. The same is true today of the women of the Soho District. Jack the Ripper, as his name implies, used a knife and mutilated his women victims in such a way that the police deemed him a sexual maniac. He was never identified, much less caught by the police. The Soho Strangler, as his name implies, strangles his victims And it is thought he is either a sexual maniac, a white slaver, or a dope peddler. See, they never say could be just a normal guy. Just a normal guy who visits prostitutes, who gets drunk, gets angry, doesn't have enough money, kills them. Which is highly possible. They want it to be something exciting. So that goes on, and that's them very much trying to uh, create a real kind of a story and a myth around this. But. Around the time of the murder of French Marie, so the final murder attributed to the Soho Strangler, uh, there was another article that was syndicated around the world. This was in the Chicago Tribune. It wasn't front page, it was set, uh, third page, uh, on the 1st of May 1938. Um, and this supposedly is what happened with French Marie, but clearly they're trying to create something interesting around it um it's written by david Dara, uh, who was a writer for the chicago tribune um apparently he was based in london uh he was one of the london reporters for the chicago tribune but his knowledge his knowledge of london is absolutely shocking so uh, let me let me read this to you this is uh the case of uh, the murder of french marie Meek Mrs Annie Correll, in brackets Mary, sitting in a small bathrobe flat of Euston Road in the shadows of the sombre district of London, Soho. Um, where we are is actually a mile north of Soho, but that's fine, you can make a mistake. Um, uh, in the sombre district of Soho, glanced at the dresser clock and uttered a startled cry, my, my, I'll be late for work. She never said that. Uh, she gulped down the last of her tea almost at 6 p.m., uh, and she'd have to hurry she slid a serviceable sleeve aclo- across her lips uh yanked an old blue hat over her older gray head and hurried out of her room down the stairs and into the street once outside she stopped abruptly sniffed suspiciously saying smoke mrs connell looked up immediately she began screaming fire fire she didn't scream fire fire she didn't look up it was actually someone else who notified her that smoke was happening uh, she wasn't on her way to work um, a thin streaming of smoke was floating from a small third floor window uh, it was second floor, uh, next to the door, above a radio store. I mean, wow, they actually got it right. It was next to a radio store. Um, the the most baffling thing about this article, when I was reading through it, I thought, I know some of these phrases. And then I realised that this writer, David, whatever his name was, uh, had stolen most of it from a, a, a People article from a few weeks before. So uh, all he'd actually done was copied, pasted, dotted it around um, firemen don't race to fires in London as they do in Chicago but they reached the row building in time to prevent a possibly bad blaze terrible writing there um, that was untrue um, by the time the police had turned up the fire had actually been out for a, a, almost an hour uh, Mustafa if you remember he extinguished the fire using his foot by stamping on the rags no fire brigade were called the fire was entirely out he continues, once they arrived, however, they discovered that the fire was relatively unimportant, for they found lying quietly on a cot in the smouldering room, incorrect, a henna haired woman, dressed rather gaudily in green. Her face was deathly pale, except for dabs of rouge on her lips and her cheeks. The woman was dead. The fireman saw at a glance. Again, there were no firemen there. But that's fine. Continue with the bullshit story. And the radio, a few feet away, was blaring. It wasn't. Mustafa switched it off when he left after he put out the fire. See, they've just made up bullshit and it makes it more exciting. Uh, A dead woman, a radio screaming and a room in smoke... These meant a job for Scotland Yard. It wasn't actually Scotland Yard; it was the Albany Street Police Station, but that's fine. Uh, soon, a mobile laboratory arrived. See again, entirely wrong. They didn't have a mobile laboratory <laughs> um, manned by fingerprint examiners. There was one fingerprint examiner that was a uh, uh, Detective Superintendent Frederick Cheryl, who turned up. Photographers, there was one, and apparently a chemist. There was no chemist because there was nothing for the chemist to do there. Um, um interestingly in this article as well um there's a a a picture in there and you would think it would be bath row but it's not it's soho square which is just over a mile south but that's fine make the connection between soho there um these experts didn't require much time to establish the fact that the dreaded strangler of, of soho was at work again see there's there's another connection linking all of the murders with this one now it could be true But it might not be true. Um, That was last August. But even today, mere mention of the Soho Strangler is enough to send a shuddery feeling through the district. The name Soho has a sinister ring. Originally, the Soho district was a city apart. Continental in aspect and spirit, and largely settled by Frenchmen who had fled their native land after the revocation of the Edict of Nantes in 1685. He's done some research. Uh, they were followed by Italians in large numbers, then German and Jews, and latterly Greeks. Life teems here. It may seem drab beneath, but it's gaudily gay on the surface. Everywhere are coffee shops where it is said tiny packets of opium and hyacinth change hands at exorbitant prices. One may stumble into a drinking cellar anywhere. The 11pm closing hours are elastically interpreted for them. Greek Street is always alive with activity, so are Compton Street and Fifth Street. See, it's actually Old Compton Street, but he gets that wrong, that's fine. Although if he was a, a journalist in London, he would know it's Old Compton Street. One historic little Newport Street some years ago, Roger Vernon, escapee of Devil's Island Prison, shot Red Max, vice boss. Cassell recovered and lived until February 1936 when he was slain in the shooting, described by a horrified London press as England's first one-way gangland ride. Now there's a reference here to an earlier shooting between Roger Vernon and Red Max Cassell, which can't be true, can it? Because they kind of roger vernon loaned money to red max so why would he shoot someone almost kill him red max recovers and then he loans him some money it doesn't make any sense at all there there was also no police record for this at all Uh, and there's nothing in the press except for this article here um he continues the woman was dead as a scotland yard mobile laboratory squad had discovered she had been strangled see that's actually untrue the first police constable who turned up was the one who said that she'd been strangled it continues the soho strangler was promptly blamed this is untrue very few of the papers actually remembered the fact that there was a soho strangler therefore it wasn't no one actually said it's a soho strangler they just thought it was just a random guy the news of the crime speedily found its way around the metropolitan papers perturbing london generally and scotland yard particularly and with reason The previous victims were a woman known as French Fifi, strangled with a silk stocking on Archer Street in November 1935, Mrs Janet Cousins, choked with a scarf in Lexington Street in April 1936, and Mrs Constance Hind, put to death with a piano wire, you remember it was an electrical flex, in Old Compton Street in May 1936. See, can't even bother to get basic details right. Little bit of information here that they've posted about uh, the victim herself, but as you can see, much of it is incorrect. Uh, it starts as a young woman, she was 47, uh, Paulette, <laughs> uh, we actually know her as French Marie, found that she could profitably exploit her Gallic touch, and she also exploited her head of bushy red hair. She was kind of reddish brown as opposed to red. Uh, the accent, the red hair, and the pretty face which is kind of ironic because the police in one of the witness statements would refer to her as ugly. Um, And a shapely figure enabled Paulette to venture into exciting fields, i.e. prostitution. Um, She became an artist's model first. This is untrue. And no doubt there are various obscure galleries in which canvases portray this lovely titan-haired girl that was Paulette. Which, as we know, is utter bollocks. Um, In time, she veered into other pursuits. Yeah she was a cleaner um good times and dissipation eventually worked their usual penalty before she reached her 30s she had lost her looks and charm soon she was living in soho well let's not forget she was living in soho when she was 16 years old she worked whenever she could find work and she spent many of her pennies for candy for the neighborhood children at other times she drifted into pubs where she met pickpockets sneak thieves and others See, again, the, the defining the idea that she hangs about with kind of uh, unsavoury types. Therefore, that's the reason why she was murdered. One day last August, Paulette was drinking in the Adam and Eve pub. A slick-haired, sallow-faced young man with a mousy moustache. Mousy moustache, where did that come from? Sidled up and smiled. Paulette had found a new friend, which was untrue. She knew him. The two left the pub together, laughing and talking and carrying bottles of liquor. It was actually two beers under their arms. Neighbour saw them enter Paulette's flat together. No one saw him leave. It's kind of ironic because actually two people did. That was Eva uh, and her husband Kaufman. Um, Paulette never left alive. Scotland Yard began an intense search for the slick haired stranger. Certain he was a strangler but neither could they find him nor learn much about him um it was kind of ironic there really because he actually spoke a hell of a lot about him in the pub to the people who knew him so they actually knew a hell of a lot they just couldn't find him soho doesn't talk to the police about crimes within its borders and not at all about the murders that may have underground motives again they're trying to link these murders to some kind of gang related scotland yard can do little about it in free England, police cannot purge alien districts as German police do in Berlin. Ooh, a uh, little reference there to uh, uh, the rise of the Nazis. Nowhere else, probably, do the police face such stubborn silence on crime. The article ends, Soho doesn't like men and women who talk. It calls them copper's narks, or stool pigeons. Now and then, of course, some daring man or woman will risk talking to the police. Now and then, some man or woman is found mysteriously slain. Soho has its own direct way of dealing with squealers. Police admit the strangler of Soho who killed Paulette may have been an agent of the Soho vice-ring, assigned by the ring's overlord to enforce the code of silence. For Paulette, the ex-artist's model had been a copper's narc. Therefore, implying that she, even though she's not a full time prostitute, even though she doesn't seem to have any connections with the white slave trade, they seem to be implying that she was working for the police (laughs) Uh, and that she told the police about all of what was going on and therefore she was murdered by the Soho vice ring which is complete and utter bullshit it was proven in a court of law but there we go two fantastic articles which love shit stirring which were syndicated all around the world not a single word was changed and in fact in many other articles as well they cherry picked the pieces of these different articles and thought that's exciting we'll use it in our story we won't bother to check the facts And we'll just create a whole myth about there being a panic in Soho. Pretty much when you get to the end of the story, there's no real connection to kind of Soho vice lords or drugs or kingpins or anything like that. It's most likely a guy who went to a prostitute while drunk, didn't have enough money, murdered her, maybe because she was screaming or maybe he panicked. Something as simple as that. And you know what? It's something that probably occurs around the world. Almost certainly every year, almost certainly every month, probably every week. If you enjoyed that, there's more to come. Your regular episodes of Murder Mile will return on Thursday the 27th of April, or a few days earlier via Patreon.
0: Maladies, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands.